This is an ABC podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Newstime. My name is Ruby. Hey, Ruby. Hello. Hi, Ruby. This is a show where we take a look at five news stories from around the world. Today, we're going to meet some pretty awesome pooches. We're going to swim down to an ancient shipwreck. And we're going to go searching for a lost star. Are you ready to get started? Yep, I'm ready. Yes, we're ready. Oh, you're always so prepared. Well, my friends, take it away. Stranum 5. As you know, we've all been staying home a lot more than usual lately. That's because we're all pitching in to help stop the spread of coronavirus. And, you know, it's not just people pitching in to help out. There are some furry friends lending a paw as well. In a city called Medellin, in a South American country called Colombia, there's an eight-year-old Labrador named Eros. While people in his neighbourhood have been staying home, Eros has been out and about delivering them groceries. Eros's owners run a local grocery store and they've taught him the names and addresses of people in town. So, his owners fill up a small basket with food and veggies and tell Eros who it's for, and Eros prances down the street to deliver the goods. Weird, because um, dogs can't read name tags or names. Yes, that's true. Dogs can't read letters. But with lots of practice, Eros has learnt five different names of customers and where they live. His owners say that he's helping them practice social distancing. That's when we give each other a bit of extra space to stop spreading germs. Because corona is spreaded all over the place. And not many people can go shopping. There are more stories of helpful pups in other places too. Over in snowy Maine, a woman named Hannah has been using her 12 sled dogs to deliver groceries to old people in the neighbourhood. They're so nice and kindly dogs that they would be able to get a treat for doing all their work. Because people need food to help them not get sick or be hungry. Hannah says it's a great way to help people out in the community and the dogs love all the chances they get to go out and have some fun. (coughs) Okay, let's get out of the snow now and warm up for our next story. Story number four. For this story, we're looking upwards at the night sky. Are you ready to become an astronomer? An astronomer looks around the sky and discovers new planets and stars all the time. Yep, astronomers are scientists who study all of the things in outer space. They learn all about planets and moons and asteroids and stars using big telescopes. It's something that you look through to see up into space. You can see stars and the full moon. And you think something's very close to you. And then it's very far away. Recently, some astronomers pointed their telescopes towards one star in particular. It's called the Kinman Dwarf. Even though it's really, 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 really far away from Earth, It shines so brightly that it can be seen with really powerful telescopes. Astronomers have been studying the Kinman Dwarf for a long time. That is, until now. You see, the Kinman Dwarf star? It's disappeared.
Maybe it, it was floating around too much and it got collapsed, squished. Scientists aren't really sure what happened. Usually when big stars disappear, something called a supernova happens. A supernova is when a star explodes. Exactly. And as you may imagine, a star exploding, that's a pretty big event. All that light and gas and energy are released and astronomers can see it through their telescopes. But in this case, there was no sign of a supernova. So astronomers thought the answer might lie in a black hole. A black hole is this thing that sucks stars and planets in if they get too close. So whatever's in them, it just goes, being gone forever. What do you think might have happened to the Kinman Dwarf? I think it might got boiling hot and turned into water and it would drip down out of space. It must have gone on a holiday and they wouldn't have known the star got on a holiday, so it's not gone missing. Hmm, an intergalactic vacation, hey? Hopefully astronomers can solve the mystery of the missing star soon so that we can know what happened. All right, stargazers, let's turn our sights back to Earth and head over to our next story. Story number three. After the terrible bushfires that happened in Australia this year, lots of firefighters and weather experts and people from different communities all got together and made something called the Australian Bushfire and Climate Plan. Why do you think it might be good to have a plan? So you know what to do. Because if you don't have a plan, you just don't know what to do and you do something wrong. Yes, plans are all about preparation. So you can figure out the steps that you'll need to do when something happens. The Bushfire and Climate Plan is all about how we can take steps to look after the environment now to help stop big bushfires happening in the future. What kinds of things would you put in a plan to look after the environment? Weather, like global warming, like the planet is getting hotter and hotter and hotter. You have to look after our land! (laughs) Yes, you're right. Thinking about climate change is a big part of the plan. That's because as our planet gets hotter, there could be more bushfires. So to help keep everyone safe, Australia is learning from Indigenous fire experts. Aboriginal people who know a lot about the land and how to use fire to protect it. Now, that might sound a little bit confusing, using fire to stop bigger fires, but traditional burning does use small fires when the weather is colder and there isn't too much wind. Lots of people keep an eye on it to make sure that it doesn't spread so the land and all of the animals and people stay safe. Once those small fires burn, it can stop the bigger, dangerous fires burning. So it doesn't spread, so it's not dangerous. Yep, but fire can always be dangerous. So while we leave the bushfire plan to the experts, it's good for us to have our own plans too, in case there's an emergency near us. Call for help. Call people that work for emergencies. Police, ambulance and fire people. If you need to evacuate, go on. Go to the nearest place where you can evacuate. Good planning, everyone. And don't forget, 
the first step is talking to a grown-up about what to do in an emergency. Okay, looks like we are up to... Story number two. How can you tell if it's going to rain? By looking up at the clouds. And sometimes the clouds are black, 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 black. Boom! Lightning! Wash! Looking for grey clouds is a good way to tell if it might rain today. And if you want to find out about the weather tomorrow or the day after, weather reports and weather apps are very handy too. But not very long ago, in the south of England, something very odd happened. Everybody's weather app said that storm clouds were on the way. But instead of rain, the sky filled up with flying ants. What the...? No way. (laughs) Funny. Flying ants are quite a lot like normal ants, but they have wings. And every summer, when the weather is just right, they take to the skies, looking for a mate and a new home. The thing is, there are so many of them flying together, billions of them, that all the weather apps got confused and thought it was a big, dark rain cloud. Stand doors, everybody. And I'll tell my neighbours to stand doors. Run away if they're bull ants or red bull ants, because they'll hurt me! Thankfully, flying ants don't hurt people. And they're actually pretty good for the environment too. Okay, let's buzz on over to our very last story. Story number one. Museums are full of special objects. Things that come from nature, like dinosaur bones, or things that humans have made, like old paintings, that show us what life was like hundreds or thousands of years ago. But have you ever heard of an underwater museum? Whoa. That is insane. No one can go underwater and put things into a museum. The world's very first underwater museum has just opened in Greece. It's part of an ancient shipwreck just off the coast of one of the Greek islands called Alonisos. What do you think is down there? Lots of coral and some sea creatures and fish. Lots of stuff that pirates are... Treasure! Well, it is full of treasure, but not the pirate kind. This underwater museum is full of thousands of tall clay jugs called amphorae. These jugs are really special because they're from the 5th century BC. Two and a half thousand years old. Archaeologists, the scientists who study human history, they think that the amphorae were on board a ship when a big storm hit and everything sunk to the ocean floor. So how do you think people visit a museum that's underwater? By getting a submarine. They scuba dive? Yep, scuba diving visitors can check out this amazing site and get a glimpse of what life was like thousands of years ago. And you know what? That's it. We've reached the end of our countdown. Thank you all so much for your help. I'll be back next week with more news stories from around the world. Catch you then. Bye, Ruby. Bye. Catch you later, chicken data. In a while, crocodile. <laughs>